Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. I love storytelling. Most stories, no matter how old or what they're about, usually have two things in common, love and suffering. Why? Because love and suffering are universal. Everyone on earth has experienced one or both of these human emotions, and many times they go hand in hand. Actor Andrew Garfield once beautifully described the grief he carries for his deceased mother as his unexpressed love for her, even though he told her every day just how much she meant to him. Grief and love and suffering take many forms in our lives, whether that's the hole left by the loss of a loved one, or a broken heart from an ended relationship, or even more subtle, like a rejection from a job or university, or having to do another load of dishes, or whatever. It comes in many, many forms, is never tangible, but always felt, and felt deeply. Sometimes, It feels so deep, we fear we might never see the light of day again. And as hard as it is to hear this in the midst of it, sometimes we haven't been buried under the grief. We've been planted. Today, I'm joined by Youth Ministry Coordinator and Spiritual Director Chris Wood to help me unpack how our faith can act as a life preserver and why God allows bad things to happen in our lives. Chris has suffered enormous tragedies in his life, including the death of his wife in his early 20s, and while his story is extremely valuable, we weren't able to include all of it in this week's program. So I invite you to listen to this episode in its entirety on our website or on Spotify, because it's really very inspiring. And without further ado, let's jump right in. When I've gone through my own experiences you know, it's it's so tough to kind of live a life of faith. Mm-hmm. I remember being very angry with God mm-hmm. going through some of what I went through. But having been through some of your own series of tragedies, can you unpack for us exactly what you did to keep living a life of faith? I mean, what you went through is almost impossible to imagine. How did your relationship with God survive after that? Well, it had its ups and downs, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, after Brittany died, um, again, I was her and I had started going to that Victorious Faith Fellowship Church together, um, and and come to find out there were some people we knew there because we, you know, you go church shopping as a Protestant, right? Like, and when we bought that house and moved in in, in Abingdon, Harford County, Maryland, we did that. We did what you do when you church shop. 
we went into Victoria's Faith Fellowship together and were involved and the people there got to know Brittany and love Brittany because I remember the pastor and his wife coming and praying over her when things were really bad. That, I lost it totally on that one when they came because um, Pastor Mike and Pastor Deb, they're, they're incredible. They are. And um, that church was a big part of our lives, you know, because one of the things that, you know, the, those churches get right is the fellowship and the social part of it, where that's sort of, it's not only your church, it's like really is your family and your friends, like everybody, you know, the people we spent the most time with were a part of that parish. So they all went through it with me because they, although we hadn't been going there very long, Brittany had made a lot of friends, you know, we had made friends, other couples and stuff like that. And so having them in my life was good, but there was a moment that I remember people, sometimes I feel like it sounds like I'm making this up because it sounds cool, but it's not. I, I did, uh, I remember this moment where it was, I don't know if it was two weeks after the funeral, not long after. And I woke up on Sunday morning. And again, in the churches I grew up in, like you didn't have to go to church. You were supposed to, but like, it's not like the Catholic church where it's an obligation. You know, we didn't look at it like that, but you should go to church. And uh, I woke up and I literally was laying in bed. And every morning you wake up after that, like that one was one of the hardest things too. It's like every morning you wake up and you know, you have that moment when you wake up where everything's kind of nice. Well, every morning you wake up and you just like remember everything that's bad. So I woke up on Sunday morning, I think it was two weeks after the funeral. And I'm like, well, I either have to go to church or not. Like, cause there's people there, they're my friends, they're like my family, you know? And they were so helpful and supportive through everything. And, and I had this moment of like, I'm either gonna go to church or I'm not. And I knew if I didn't go, then I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go again. So it was kind of like a fork in the road for me, not kind of, it was. And I still, I remember it very vividly because I, I, I literally was like, nobody would blame me if I didn't go. Like nobody would be surprised, I should say. Like if, if I gave up on God basically in the church, because everybody knew I was, I was involved in churches, like I said, my whole life, even as a kid. But after that, again, I don't think anybody would have been surprised if I just walked away from that. So I was in bed just laying there by myself and I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And I went, I did. I showed up to church and people were surprised. I walked in and... There's this guy always waited by the doors that would hug everybody as you come in. And uh, he gave me the biggest of hugs and everybody was just so, it's what those kind of churches get right. Like you cannot walk in the doors of those kind of churches and not be loved. If you're new, been there for a million years, whatever. And I walked in and just was slammed with, with God's love coming from these people. And uh, that was the right decision because they, I stayed a part of things. I got involved in more stuff because I needed something to do. Um, so I started helping with youth ministry there. Um, I did music stuff because I've been doing praise and worship stuff since I was a kid as well. And I just got involved there and it just kept me grounded, I guess. And again, every day wasn't perfect. I had my moments. I didn't do anything crazy because it's not really my personality to do anything crazy. I mean, I didn't like become an alcoholic or anything. I thank God. <laughs> but, um, you know, I had some rough days, rough nights. I had some anger i had i mean i went through all those gambits of feelings and things like that that you would expect but i had a this church family and these church people because we did bible studies during the week at different people's houses and i always went to those and i did like i said i had my uh, a handful of guys that we were all close we had started like a tabletop gaming group so we were doing that before Brittany died and i kept doing that and just staying plugged into people so i didn't allow myself to sort of introvert into myself too bad. I had those moments, but um, I just stayed involved in my church. 
And then, like I said, time went by and I got into online dating and that's how I met Megan. And then everything else happened that I said. But but the trick was for me to stay grounded was literally to choose to stay grounded in my faith. Even though, like I said, it wasn't like walking on clouds the whole time. Like I had bad days and I had plenty of bad nights and angry at God, sad, not understanding why, you know, all those things. But at the end of the day, I had these people in my life and this church in my life that just kept me connected to what really mattered. And then it's just, I kept following that path and, and it led me to where I am now, which is, which is awesome. So that's, again, I wish I had some like awesome saying or like something like God spoke to me in the clouds or, but no, like I literally woke up and had to choose to get my butt out of bed and go to church. And if I knew, I knew it, I know it to this day, if I chose not to, and I was on the cusp, if I chose not to, I wouldn't be sitting here. Like I'd be probably living in that house with a roommate or who knows, I wouldn't be here. So I definitely made the right choice. Absolutely. And it's one of those moments where it's like, you might not understand now, but there is something there's, yeah. there's, and I hate that saying, cause especially when you're in the midst of grief and they're like, God has a reason. And like, I, this is the last thing I want to hear right now. Well, suffering is always easy to process in hindsight, looking back on it. I can sit here on this podcast and talk to you about it so easily because it's in the past. It's in my, it's in hindsight, even the, the difficulties I just went through not long ago with Megan's cancer journey and things like that. Cause that all happened right in the midst of COVID. Um, which just made things even more complicated. But, you know, that that's the reality of suffering is there's a difference between how we process it in the moment and and how we deal with it in hindsight. But both aspects of that are important. Yeah, there's definitely, I, I do like when I talk about these things to have that sort of caveat and say like, I can sit here calmly and say these things to you because it's processing suffering in hindsight is, is much easier than in the moment when you want to throw things and cry and scream and yell. But those are sometimes valuable things to do as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned making the choice. Mm -hmm. Choose joy is a catchphrase that I see thrown around a lot from coffee mugs to wall art to t-shirts. Word art. Yes. <laughs> As a reminder to always choose joy and look yep. on the bright side and especially when it comes to our daily lives. But why is choose joy sometimes a misguided though very well-intentioned sentiment when it comes to suffering? Because it's lame. It's shallow. It's not accurate. It's not. It's It sounds pretty and it looks good embroidered on a pillow or written on a wall, but it's not the reality of our situation. Like you can't wake up every day and choose, I'm going to be happy all day today. You know, I'm going to be joyful all day today. Like you can wake up every day and say, I'm going to try, but we have to remember where true joy comes from. And it comes from the love of God. It comes from our experiences as Christians. It comes from, comes from God. You know, God is the source, the only source of true joy. The joy that they're talking about on pillows and wall art is the joy of like worldly success and things like, you know, like, like surface. It's the shallow end of the pool again, basically. It's like, I'm going to wake up today and choose to be happy. I'm like, yeah, well, what happens when your car breaks down? You know, like you're still going to be happy? Like what happens when somebody you love gets sick? What happens when you get sick? What happens when whatever inevitable things that happen in our lives happen? 
it's just not going to help you to have that in your like, I'm going to choose joy. No, you're going to choose to be upset because you're broken down on 83 and that stinks. <laughs> but it's just too shallow. And it also dabbles into when you talk this choose joy mentality, you're also what you're touching on is self-help too, as well as sort of the new age self-help thing. And that's also extremely dangerous because it's the word self, right? Like we have to understand as Christians that we can do nothing without God. We can't experience joy without God. We can't experience anything that we're supposed to without God. So this idea that I'm going to wake up and say, I'm going to be joyful today. It's like, no, I can wake up in the day and say, with the grace of God, I'm going to try to be joyful. And I'm going to ask God to help me and give me the grace and give me the, the strength to see through the ups and downs of everyday life. I'm not just going to wake up and say, today I'm going to be happy. I'm like, well, maybe. But it just, it, it, in my opinion, it takes God out of the situation. That, that kind of stuff, it just, and relies on the self. Like you're going to choose it. Like, no. We can't do anything properly without God. And it's as simple as that. So we can choose to follow God every day. We can choose to pray. We can choose to go to church. We can choose to read our Bible. We can choose to participate in whatever Catholic Christian resources we can, um, opposed to other ones. But again, the idea that we can just wake up and choose happiness today is like, it's just too shallow and too fake. It's just not real without God. We need to wake up every day and choose God is what it is, really. Mm. That's what we should put on our pillows. Choose God. I love it. And I, I smell a new marketing strategy coming for there you. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll have some bracelets made for the There you go. <laughs> there you go. I love it. So in my research, I was reading Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And in it, St. Paul makes reference to a thorn in the flesh. Now, it's known that he struggled with his eyesight, so it's probably safe to assume that he's referring to a physical ailment. Although we all know that not all ailments are visible, no pun intended. In that verse, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, mm -hmm. for my power is made perfect in weakness. And he continues to say, he will now delight in his weaknesses, insults, and hardships. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How can we apply St. Paul's philosophy to our struggles and find strength in our weaknesses when it comes to the seemingly impossible load of grief and suffering. This is why I tell everybody they should read the Bible. You know, I, I'm not sitting here because I didn't get through what I got through because I've read a bunch of deep books on suffering. Uh, you know, the only book on suffering I've read is the Bible in all reality. And it's good to remember that we're not the only ones going through this is, is the reason why and not the only ones through all of history. But St. Paul's example here is important because St. Paul realizes what we all must realize at some point is that, again, like I said earlier, we can't do anything without God, at least not anything that matters, especially when it comes to the salvation of our souls and others. We can't do it without God. So what what Paul, what St. Paul realizes in this moment is if he was strong and without any suffering, he wouldn't necessarily need God, at least on the surface, right? Like if we went through this life with no ailments, no suffering, no times of weakness, as he describes, then we would, it would be very unlikely that we would acknowledge the need for a savior, right? Because we, what would we need to be saved from? It, it, we would think we were on heaven on earth, right? If we just walk through here with no pain, no suffering, everything we wanted, right? So when we're brought low, that's when we know we need God. 
And that's when we can experience God, right? Because he lifts us up. That's what's so important about these times and these, like what, what St. Paul was talking about, he, whether it was, you know, whatever his thorn in the flesh was, like he realized that that was the conduit for God's grace in his life, for God's love, because he needed it. He didn't want it. He wanted it, but he needed it. You know, he needed that. So, and, and we see all the saints throughout history with similar stories, right? Like you don't read a saint story and see, wow, they had it easy. They had a really simple life, right? Like every life of a saint is one of suffering and sacrifice, right? They had their problems. They had their ailments and all kinds of different ones. But in every one of those situations, the difference between them and us is they acknowledge that it was a gift and that they needed that. And God blessed them with that suffering, with that problem, whatever it was. And that God was the only one that had the power and the grace and the love and the strength to give them to see it through to whatever the end was. And St. Paul is just a very early example of that. And a great one in the Bible where he realizes when, when he's told, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Like that statement, my power, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. We have to be low. It's the same, you know, it's like the metaphor of God the Father and, and being a child, like St. Therese of Lisieux, I must be a child, right? And you know that as a mom, like your kids are fully dependent on you, right? And that creates a very important relationship in your lives together. You know, if they came out of the womb and they didn't need you for nothing, right? Like you'd be missing out on this whole important relationship that establishes so much in a person's entire life. My relationship with my mom and dad has created who I am in so many ways, right? And it's been, and that started because I needed that. And it's the same thing here. We need God, but we sometimes need something to make us realize it. We all do because we have pride, right? We walk around thinking we can do it. Even if we try not to, it's hard. You know, we have that pride within us and we think that we can get through anything. And then you have, like I said, these new choose joy mentalities and this sort of, twisted American dream where we can go out there and work hard and, and, and do it and succeed. And, but again, inevitably we're all at some point going to go through something where we're knocked down low. And those, again, those are the moments where we can actually really experience God and experience his love when we actually feel him lift us and feel his love and experience the grace that he has for us. You know, it's like another metaphor I use with the teens. It's like every sculpture was just some piece of rock, but somebody had to chisel away everything, right? And that's kind of how God's doing to us. And our suffering is is sort of that process of him chiseling away the self, right? That that outer layer, that's like the selfishness and the sin. Like our suffering is a way for God to sort of bang that out. And it hurts. It's hard. We don't like it in the moment necessarily. But again, the power of hindsight, we can look back and say, I wouldn't be who I am today without that. And that that's, again, that's where I am in my life. It sounds weird, but I can say like, I'm thankful for what I've been through. And people are like, what do you mean? Like you're saying you're thankful that, you know, Megan went through cancer and Brittany passed. I'm like, well, of course I would have rather like that suffering not happen. But like looking back now, like it was a blessing. It was a blessing. It was God shaping me into who I am. And also I'm confident in the existence of heaven and where everyone's going. So when you get to that point, death isn't so scary either. But Sort of that's, I guess that's the long way of me just saying like St. Paul's example is so powerful because he says it so simply for when I am weak, then I am strong. He's not saying that he's strong. He's strong with God. In that moment of weakness, God gives him the strength and that's the true strength. That's the true power that we can have. It all comes from God. Again, we can't do anything without God. Nothing.
Right. I love the imagery of stone and becoming a work of art that God is is making works of art, making saints out of all of us. Yeah. And it's so important to remember that if we can get through it, then you have the opportunity to look back in hindsight and say, if it weren't for this, Mm -hmm. then my life wouldn't be where I'm at today. Personal example, my husband and I struggled with infertility for a long time before we conceived my first son. And my husband had decided to join the army. He joined later, like right before the cutoff. Mm -hmm. And we found out we were pregnant with our first child. We were so excited. We even bumped up his date to go to boot camp so that he would be home in time for the birth of the baby. And the week he left for boot camp, we lost the baby. So he was gone for boot camp for six months while I was at home, like dealing with this and then not having him. And I, that was when I was like, so angry because that whole year was just nothing but like, Mm -hmm. you know, they say bad things come in through you. Well, I probably had about a dozen of them that whole year. But I remember going to confession and practically yelling at the poor priest about, you know, I don't understand why he would do this. You know, this isn't fair. Fast forward a few years, we're blessed with the children that we have. And at least three of my friends also went through miscarriages and they all came to me for help and for encouragement. And it literally hit me like a ton of bricks one day that if I hadn't had my miscarriage and if I hadn't been so open in sharing what I was going through, they would have no one to go to. Mm -hmm. And it was like a mind blown moment of that's why I I couldn't keep that baby Mm -hmm. because the baby was serving a larger purpose. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was part of my grief story, but it's, it's, you're right. The bad things that happen to us shape us Mm -hmm. and God uses them to mold us into who we're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, and, and again, another part of your story there was the fact that you, like you said, you went to confession, right? Like you chose to go and participate in the church and the sacraments of the church. Right. And that's very appropriate. Even if you did yell, like God wants to work these things out with us and, and God, that's what I tell the young people. Like, if you're mad at God, you can yell at him anytime you want. It's but but it's important that you go and talk to God. Cause that's the reality. People talk, oh well, you know, I don't can't believe in God because I don't understand why he would let this thing happen. Would you ever ask him? Did you ever talk to God about it or are you just mad? Right? Like that's the reality. It's like we do have those emotions in those moments. And that's a very human thing. And God gives us those emotions. But we have to do the right thing with them. And that's, again, you take them to God. And that's what you did in that moment, which is another big part of that process was you didn't just quit. You went and you were angry and you dealt with it with God and the confessional, which is incredible, you know, because that's one of the many awesome parts of that, that sacrament. And the other thing I say, too, is talking about like suffering in general, like I always point out to people, everyone we look up to even in the secular world, right? Take saints and all the Catholic inspirational people out. In the world, we everyone we look up to suffered, right? Like we don't get inspired by somebody who's born into money and walks around successful like the king of the world, right? We're inspired by people who made it, right? Like that Pursuit of Happiness movie with Will Smith, right? Like that guy made it and, and ended up being this great dad and had this great life. But first he had to be brought to nothing, he had to sleep in a subway bathroom with his son crying, right? Like, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it's very emotional. Yes. And uh, we look up to that, right? And that's, that's that was not a Christian movie, right? Like, 
That was a real experience. And there's countless stories. And even the fiction we write, this is what I tell the teens too, because I'm like, you watch these movies or read these books, because I read a lot of fantasy and science fiction, and I love Marvel movies and all this stuff. And like, they all suffered, right? Like all the people we look up to, even in the stories we make up, the heroes didn't have it easy. Batman, right? Like Batman's Batman because he had to see his parents die when he was a kid, right? Like we made that story up and are inspired by it. And everybody thinks Batman's cool. And it's because he suffered, you know, even in the other things that we make up, like everybody that inspires us, the leaders in our fiction, right? They didn't want to be leaders. They like were put into it and they were struggling and it was hard. And they had some kind of trauma that people could relate to. It's exactly, that's why Jesus was born where he was born, right? I mean, if Jesus was born some Pharaoh's kid, rich walking around, died peacefully in his sleep, we wouldn't still be talking about him today. We're inspired by Jesus because he suffered like we do. And that's, that, that's everything, you know? He suffered like we did. And we can relate to that. So again, to your point, the friends that you know that had miscarriages could relate to you. You were that, that vessel for God's love in that moment. And that gives purpose to that tragedy which that is the opportunity for healing as well. That moment you had was a healing moment. That's how God heals us, right? It's not like he's just going to come down and just touch you and all of a sudden you get over it. He has this plan that has to play out and you experience that. And I experience it all the time because again, I use, I try to use my story and the things I've gone to, through to help inspire others and, and, and help people understand that they're not the only ones that have gone through this kind of thing or going through it or will, you know, it's, Life is hard, but God has a plan for it, right? I mean, that's kind of a cliche thing to say, but it's true. We have to know that and trust that. And I think that's the part that's in the moment that I was talking about earlier. Like when I chose to go to church and you chose to stay involved in the church and go to confession, like you described. It's like, those are moments where we don't understand it, but we're trusting God anyway. And then his full story plays out over time. And that's when healing can come. Right, right. That's very, very, very true. We touched on this a little bit, but one of the biggest arguments I've come across is if if God is so good, then why does he allow bad things to happen? So truthfully, if God is so good, why does he allow bad things to happen? Because he loves us. I was looking forward to this question. This is the big question, right? This is the thing that people run away from the church from or don't enter the church, right? The easiest way to explain it is just to start by explaining how God's will works, right? So God's will works in two ways. He either makes things happen, like when he created the earth or certain miracles and things like that, like he, he whatever, just poof, and the thing happens. That's the easy one to understand, right? Because we can imagine that, like God's, God, you know, created the birds and poof, there were birds, right? But the way his other way his will works is by allowing things to happen. And this is the one that people have trouble with and that we kind of have to spend some time chewing on because that's the question. Why would God allow this to happen? And like I said, kind of a funny, snarky response because he loves us. Again, that's an easy thing to say. But the reality is, is the suffering that he allows, and this is the trust part, but we have to understand that there is some greater good that comes of it. We've unfortunately run out of time. But if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network 
or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.